Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. So two weeks ago, we started a series called Friends, Brothers, and Others, and this is basically most of the rest of the New Testament. So for a long time, we were in the letters of Paul to various churches in the New Testament. This is the rest, except for the Gospels, of the New Testament, and the title seems weird, but it's basically either a friend, brother, or other wrote the letter that we'll talk about each week, or it was given to a friend, brother, or other. So it's kind of a weird title. It's the best I could do. But here we go. So we're still looking at at letters, which is most of the New Testament, but we're going to be looking at they're more personal in nature, especially today and in a couple weeks, very personal in nature. So we're going to continue. We started kind of a two-parter two weeks ago. I'm going to do a quick recap of that so that we're ready to just jump right in um, to this week. But uh, last week, we kind of talked about how to be ready for occasions where we're going to interact in a conversation that might be uncomfortable or it might be kind of awkward or it might start to go kind of sideways. So we took, looked at four keys to help us to prepare for those moments. It was very practical. This week is going to be equally practical. Uh, so let's do a quick review of last week just for a couple minutes. So there's, there's a key theme that we looked at, and we looked at the letters of First and Second Timothy and Titus that Paul wrote these letters to these two young up-and-coming ministers. And we took his key theme, one of the key themes, uh, that we looked at last week. So let's look really quickly at three verses to kind of get us in, in the mode of recapping last week. So 1 Timothy 4, 7, Paul writes, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. And then 1 Timothy six twenty, Paul says, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. And then 2 Timothy 2.16, avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. So there's this theme that we saw about avoiding these meaningless, time-wasting, energy-wasting, Paul even says godless, debates and arguments with other people around us. So here are the main ideas from last week, and then we'll jump into... Uh, more more ideas to continue this two-week series here. So we talked about four main ideas from these verses and others that we discussed. If you missed it, you can listen or watch it later this week. It's already up, and then you can re-watch or re-listen to this one as to get them together if you'd like to do that. Uh, so here's the idea. When it comes to these discussions or interactions that we have, four main ideas. Don't avoid, but engage. So we talked about sometimes certain topics are uncomfortable but need to be discussed. And we have opinions, and so we should voice those opinions if they're grounded in Scripture, as we will look at here uh, today as well. Because always avoiding these awkward situations or difficult topics, that's not the way to live. Avoiding every difficult thing that, that we live in life is not a way to live. So we want to not avoid but engage. Secondly, we don't want to fear but have faith. When it comes to certain people or certain conversations that we have, we need to understand that at the right time 
and to the right people, God will give you the right words. Sometimes we're afraid of engaging in a difficult conversation because I don't know if I can control myself and what if I get too heated, too emotional? Don't fear, have faith. At the right time, to the right people, God will give you the right words. The third idea from last time was don't neglect, but be prepared. And this is the idea of don't neglect your soul. If you want to be prepared for anything that comes your way, feed your soul. If, whether it's a person or a conversation or a topic or a situation, if you're constantly, consistently feeding your soul with the Word of God, you can then be prepared for whatever comes your way. And the last thing we talked about last time was don't just talk, but walk. We want to make sure that as we're preparing for conversations or as we're kind of geared for whatever topic might come our way, we want to build confidence and gain credibility by aiming to have our lives in sync with our beliefs. Don't just talk, but walk. So that's where we looked at last week. Part one of this two-parter sort of mini-series was really all about preparing us for what we're going to talk about today, which is engaging with difficult people and difficult conversations. Anybody ever been there before? The holidays are just around the corner, so buckle up. It's coming, right? Engaging with difficult people and difficult conversations. Part one kind of prepped us for doing this, these things. And we're going to look today, again, very, very practical. So typically, my application in my sermons is probably my weakest part for the most part. I got to work harder at that to make it relevant to your everyday life. This one, that's all we're doing today, okay? That all we're doing is scripture, here's how you apply it. Scripture, here's how you apply it. So super practical. So if you're not into that, just hang on, stay awake. It'll be fine. It'll be worth it, okay? And it's practical because we all deal with difficult people and difficult conversations, Sometimes simultaneously, which is the worst. It's fine if you're going through a difficult conversation with an, a reasonable person, but if you're trying to deal with a difficult person in the middle of a difficult conversation, that is difficult, as the title would, would tell us. We're going to kind of keep the same format as last time about avoid one aspect of this, but to do it in a different way. So don't do this, do that. Is the same idea as last time. And we're going to look at really... Paul's going to show us five, five keys on how we can positively, constructively, and in a Christ-like way engage with difficult people and engage in difficult conversations. All right, here's the first key to doing that. Don't just hear, but listen. Now, this first one, I'm cheating because I'm not using Paul. I think all of the verses that we looked at last week and even all the ones that we'll look at today have this in there in some way. But to flesh it out more specifically, we're going to look at James 1.19. Don't just hear, but listen. James says this, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Don't just hear, Listen, this is how we positively, effectively, in a Christ-like way, engage with difficult people and in difficult conversations. Hearing and listening are different. Hearing is waiting to respond in a conversation. Listening is waiting, then responding. Those are different. Sometimes we're just waiting for a half a second pause to get our thought in there. That's hearing. We're trying to hear the rhythm to get our part in the rhythm in there. Listening is different. 
listening is I'm not just waiting for a pause. I'm waiting, why are they pausing? Wh what, can I, what value can I add to this difficult conversation? And so um, constructive listening is active. Right? That's the key, not just hearing, but listening. So here's, here's a few things to do that. Well, let me get to why first. Here's why this is important. In a constructive conversation, you have to know who you're actually talking to. That requires listening to them. You have to, in a difficult conversation, you have to know, what are we actually talking about? Like, I know we came into this and we thought we were going to talk about this thing, but it's now morphed into this other thing that seems to be the real issue with them. So let's hear that and listen to that and then adapt as needed. That's why it's important. Here's a few just simple things to flesh this out in our lives. Listen for key repeated words in a conversation with people. Listen for key and repeated words. Again, like we just said, it may get to the actual issue that's there. You may have interacted with someone and you thought it was about topic A, but now it's moved into topic B. If you're listening for that with repeated words or phrases or ideas, you're like, wait, 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 wait. Your issue is not actually this. It's actually this. And so then it can help us maybe come to a solution in that conversation. Um, listening for these repeated words can help to maybe reveal uh, a misunderstanding. So maybe as I'm listening to this person, I realize, okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. This all started because I, I didn't hear what you were actually saying the first time. But if I'm just... If I'm just trying to hear for that thing to get my point in, to defend my position, I'm going to miss what might be a very constructive conversation, although a difficult one, if we're listening for those key repeated words. Another thing to, to not hear, not just hear, but to listen is to pay attention to body language, nonverbal communication, theirs and yours, okay? So you pay attention to body language. Are they holding something back? Is there, you know, and I'm not saying be a, a body, you know, language expert. I'm not saying, you know, call a private detective and have them watch as you secretly videotape your discussion to catch them in a lie. That's not what I'm saying. But you can kind of tell, it, typically, if, if something seems off with them, they're gonna, there's going to be some sort of physical tell. And it can maybe help you not to catch them in something, but to maybe drive the conversation where it needs to go. And then with our body language, we need to be aware, am I really listening? Right? Or, or am I just waiting to get in? Am I waiting to add? Am I waiting to defend? Am I waiting to attack? So we want to be aware of our own body language as well. Am I being overly aggressive? Am I interrupting them? Am I over-talking? That sort of thing. Even though that's not always nonverbal, but in some ways that is. So body language is key in that too. And here's the last thing I'll mention, then we'll move on to the second key here. But in, in listening, we also want to consider the source. Who am I actually talking to? And Part of it is this, if there's a specific topic that we're discussing, if that has personally affected them, we want to be sensitive to that. If it's like a cultural issue and we're just debating back and forth, if they've actually been personally affected by this specific issue, we want to be sensitive to that, and maybe it'll change the way that we approach the conversation. We'll get to it later, but grace is a big part of productive conversations, trying to see where they're actually coming from. Another part of considering the source is, is all of this based on second and third hand hearsay? If so, my advice is to run as far as you can away from the conversation that you're in. 
because what does it do if they don't they weren't actually there they don't actually know but they have an issue that they're bringing up about somebody else who said this and told somebody else this that's going to be a super unproductive conversation it's going to be just what paul's saying to get away from godless time wasting energy wasting it's not going to have any value so consider the source in that way so we want to be quick to listen and slow to speak we don't just want to hear but we want to listen to difficult people and in difficult conversations. Here's the second very practical key that we'll look at today, and that's this. Don't accuse, ask questions. I would even add assume in there. Don't accuse or assume, ask questions. Here's what Paul says about this. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul writes, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. We want our conversations, our interactions to be full of a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. Because ultimately, the goal of any interaction that we have is to get to the truth, is to hopefully solve a problem or to repair a relationship. That should be the constructive goal, which means that we must stay grounded in reality in that conversation. So accusations and assumptions deviate from reality and get to other things that are not really part of what we're trying to figure out. It's sort of like, uh, you know, a corrupt detective planting evidence at the scene of a crime. That's what an accusation or an assumption in a conversation does. It muddies the water. It brings things in there that shouldn't be in there. It gives us, it gives us other things to argue about that maybe we figured out, but because I brought this thing up, now it's made things even worse. It's not accurate and not real. With that, here's, here's two words, and I've, I, I've tried to practice this. I don't know if I do a great job of this, but... Uh, two words to avoid in conversations are always and never. And the closer in relation you are to the person that you interact with, the harder this is going to be. Because you have a history with that person. You know their ins and outs. You know their hang-ups. You know what buttons to push. And so if you're talking to your spouse, will you always do that? I mean, is that really going to help you, husbands, who do that? No, it's not, right? Will you never do that? Is, wives, is that going to help you when you tell your husband he never does? Because what, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to pull out my phone that I've kept a chart just for this moment to show you no. On October 5th, I did do that. <laughs> on October 8th, I did take out the trash. Yes, I do sometimes. You know? It's like so avoiding those, those trigger words, always and never, are good things to avoid. We don't want to accuse or assume. We want to try to ask questions, ask clarifying questions. If an assumption is made against you, you might want to say, well, can you give me an example of that? Okay, can you explain what you mean by whatever the accusation thrown at you is? And we want to be careful. The point is not to gotcha, right? That the point is not to trip them up or to catch them in a lie or an exaggeration, although that may happen as a secondary thing. The point is I'm try we're trying ultimately to get to the bottom of something. We're trying to figure out, okay, I have it from this view. You have it from that view. Okay, we're probably somewhere in between. Let's try to figure that out. So if we can avoid accusing and assuming and ask questions, it will help to do that. And it really comes down to striking, as Paul says, a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. We're trying to strike this balance in these difficult conversations with sometimes difficult people between not being offensive but not getting defensive. We're trying to 
do that tightrope walk in our interactions with people. I'm not trying to be offensive toward them in asking these questions. I'm not trying to get defensive by asking these questions. Again, we're trying to get to as much reality and truth as we can. And that can be difficult because sometimes conversations can get very heated, can't they? And sometimes certain topics get really personal really quick, don't they? And sometimes the people that you talk with or interact with drive you crazy sometimes. And so it's hard to do this in the moment. That's why we're talking about it now. We're not in the middle of these kind of conversations, kind of a clear-minded view of sometimes what seems very simple or elementary But if it were, why would I have such a hard time (laughs) with these things? It's kind of the question I've been asking myself all week. Remember to keep the goal of any interaction in mind, a healthy understanding that gets to the truth. And this is best achieved when we refuse to accuse, but we ask questions with a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. Here's the third key that, that Paul gives us here as well on how to deal with difficult people and difficult conversations, and that is don't condemn but show grace. First Timothy 6:11, Paul writes this, "But you Timothy are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness." Like we've been saying, there are some people in your life that just drive you crazy. There are some people in your life that may be crazy. There are some people in your life that make you feel crazy, okay? So these four words at the end of 1 Timothy 6.11, let's focus on, let's look at these words for just a minute here. They're going to help us to show grace to these difficult people, okay? So here's the four words, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Let's look at it. So faith, here's here's some good things to maybe, uh, I'm not saying like self-affirmation, but almost okay here are some good mindsets to have when you're maybe gonna you know you're about to enter a difficult conversation or maybe you know you're about to interact with a difficult person here are some good things to keep in mind so with faith what we want to do is approach this person in good faith approach the conversation in good faith i'm i want to be as fair to this person as i can be I want to be honest about this topic. If it hasn't affected me, I'm not going to make up a story about how, you know, one time back in the day I did have to deal with this. Like, no, I don't have to make up things to relate or to get my point across. I'm going to try to come at this in good faith. That's a good place to start. And then he says we want to pursue love. So this is going to get hard with difficult people and the more difficult conversations get, but our heart should be out of love. I'm having this conversation with them because I care about them. I'm I'm putting myself through the agony of doing this marathon back and forth with them because I genuinely want the best for this other person. That is really difficult to do, but we're trying to, again, prepare ourselves, as Paul tells us to, to pursue these things, faith and love and then perseverance. And it goes back to last time where you have beliefs, you have opinions, you have stances, and hopefully they should be grounded in God's word. So perseverance means no matter how much they disagree, I'm still going to believe what I believe. No matter how much they try to undercut my, oh, that's just your faith or that's weak. Like I'm still going to believe what God says, no matter how much opposition that difficult person might throw at me. 
No matter how nasty or name-calling the conversation might get, I'm going to persevere and continue to believe what I believe. It also means um, that I'm not going to quit the conversation if I feel like I'm starting to lose. Okay? I'm not going to take my marbles and go home. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to persevere. We're going to continue to talk things out. I'm going to continue to listen to what you're saying to try to achieve whatever goal is at the end of this conversation. So we want to say, you know, I'm going to hear them out. I'm going to attempt to give them the benefit of the doubt as much as I can, grounded in the reality that we've already established we have to remain in to have a constructive conversation. Now, if they're going off on something and it's just out of control, we'll get to how to handle that later on. But we, again, we want to show grace, even maybe especially difficult people, and that requires a bit of perseverance on our part. So faith, love, perseverance. And the last uh, word here from 1 Timothy 6.11 is gentleness. Proverbs 11.1 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. This one is really hard, too, when uh, conversations tend to get personal or ugly or heated or emotional. So Paul says, pursue these things. My goal, my aim is to pursue this. Now, like all of us, I'm fallen, I'm frail, I'm sinful, so I don't always get this right. When things get heated and things get really emotional, you're not always going to knock this out of the park. Paul says, pursue these things faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. I'm going to try to kill them with kindness. It's like, I love you so much. <laughs> Die. You know, that's not what that means. But it also, gentleness means not adding to the drama. I'm not going to make things twice as worse by getting down on their level, you know, to make ourselves sound really holy. I'm not going to go on your level. <laughs> I would recommend not saying that either in the conversation. That's just, that's just something that just came to mind. Good idea. Um, I'm not going to engage. If, if it gets, like we talked about last time, ad hominem, the attack becomes personal. It's where the person says, we don't just disagree on this topic. I hate your guts because you believe that. If it gets down to that, okay, I just can't engage in that. I'm not, that's not constructive. We're not going to go there. Showing grace is not easy because sometimes you just want to lay hands on people and not like in that I'm going to pray for them kind of lay hands on them. You know what I mean? Sometimes we just want to go off on people. Like, are you serious right now? You are crazy. You are so stupid. Like, we want to do that. But that's not, I would say, probably not the definition of gentleness. And I'm talking to me. I'm, so the mirror is like this, okay, guys? So I'm, not, I'm saying us or you or we, that, just understand, I'm, I'm sitting there with you, okay? Uh, we don't always get this right, but the goal, the bullseye, is to aim at pursuing faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness in our interactions, in our relationships, even with difficult people and even with difficult conversations. And the fourth key here, maybe the most important, but it's the next to last, is this. Don't forget, but stay on mission. Don't forget, stay on mission. 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 26, Paul writes this. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. The goal in our conversations and in our interactions is to speak life, to speak truth. 
So when we engage with difficult people and difficult conversations, the goal is to positively impact people around us. Not to prove a point, not to be right, not to show them, not to feel better about ourselves, but to positively impact people around us. The goal as we engage is to solve problems as best we can, to salvage relationships if that's the problem, to clear up misunderstandings that may have started out so small, but over time have maybe been ignored or exaggerated, and they've grown into something life-altering. Our goal as we engage is to right certain wrongs as much as we are able. And really, here's the key. The goal in any engagement, any interaction we have, is to be an extension of Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are an extension of Jesus. That includes dealing with difficult people and having difficult conversations. We want to stay on mission. We want to be Jesus to that person that neighbor, that family member, that coworker, whoever that is, that's that difficult person. We want to be Jesus to them. In the middle of a difficult situation or conversation or topic or debate, we want to, as much as we can, as best as we are able, to be an extension of Christ in that interaction. And Jesus is our example here. Let's look at the words of Jesus very quickly. John 6, 63, here's what Jesus says. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Here's the key here. Jesus says, the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So here's a few things to consider when it comes to these situations. When you anticipate or approach maybe a difficult conversation or person, I I want you to pray this. God, give me your words. Your words of life. Give me your life-giving words. Maybe the conversation starts good and starts to go sideways really fast. It's okay, and I would say it's encouraged to just maybe literally take like 10 seconds to just quietly, maybe, right, pray to yourself and say, God, you got to help me. God, you got to give me the words here. God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your patience. It's, it, I would, it's fine to have that 10 seconds of awkward silence and, and get yourself right. God, give me your heart. Give me your mind. Give me your words. And then we see here Paul in a different letter, Colossians 4, verse 6. He says this, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So I love salt, <laughs> right? My arteries don't, but I do. And ancient times, you know, salt was used as a preserver. We don't have refrigeration, so we pack meat and things in salt and keep it good so it doesn't spoil. Now, we have refrigeration, so salt is just an additive. It's an enhancer. So either way you want to look at it, salt has a positive impact. It's either a preserver or an enhancer. So on the other hand, there's something called ghost pepper. You heard of ghost pepper before? It's like one of the hottest things. I, you, you ever seen the one chip challenge? I know Kim did that last year. It was awesome. It was so fun. She wants me to do it this year, and I have so far just ignored. Uh, I've not had that difficult conversation with that difficult person. No, she's not difficult. No. <laughs> I didn't say that. I mentioned her any, like, you know, I have to give her a massage. I mentioned her at all, so I might as well just, you know, get one in there for good measure too, right? So ghost peppers are hot. If you don't know, jalapeno, so there's this thing called the Scoville scale. It tells you how hot a pepper is. So a jalapeno is 8,000 Scovilles. A habanero is 350,000 Scovilles. A ghost pepper 
is one million. So three times as hot as a habanero. And it, what's interesting is there was another scale looked at. So it's a million Scoville units is the ghost pepper. Only twice as spicy as that is pepper spray, right? So it's like only half <laughs> as strong as pepper spray. So here's what I mean. Here's what I think Paul's getting at. Your words are powerful in your conversations and your interactions. Your words are either salt or they're ghost pepper. Okay? Your words are either going to enhance and preserve or they're going to irritate and inflame. That's Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So with that difficult person, will your words be salt or ghost pepper? In that heated conversation, are you going to try to preserve with the salt and kind of tamp that down? Are you going to add and inflame that situation and make it even worse? Our words are one or the other. So may my words be preservative. May our words be enhancers, not to aggravate or inflame. Here's a few things to consider in conversations with difficult people. May my calm demeanor be contagious. If I can keep myself down here, maybe it will lower their temperature as well. May my measured response have an effect. May my wise choice of words possibly soften this other person. The mission is to be like Jesus. So we have to stay on mission. Keep the goal in mind. I am an extension of Jesus. This is not meant to be a guilt trip, but a good reminder that things will get personal. You will be called names. Things will be said about you. Lies will be told about you. People will be difficult and dishonest, and you can't trust them, and that's how you feel. But my goal in all of that noise is to be like Jesus. Here's the last thing as we close. Maybe it's the hardest one, so I saved it for last. You're welcome. Don't cycle, set limits. Don't cycle, set limits. Titus 3, verses 9 through 11, Paul again here writing to Titus says, But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Then here's what he says. Warn a divisive person once, then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Now, the immediate context here is within the church. Titus is a pastor, and it seems that Paul is saying, hey, if you've got people in your church that are causing division and problems, sit them down, talk to them. He says, warn them once, warn them twice, three strikes, and they're out. That's what Paul's telling Titus to do here. So that's the immediate context. So I'm watching you. No, that's not why I'm saying that. No, be careful. No, okay. I'm going to see someone after my, in my office after church today. No. But here, so it does work in a church setting, and I think that's very, that, that, it's, it's hard, that's a difficult conversation to have with someone. Like, you're causing drama and issues and division in our church. That's not how we do things, and so you can go find somewhere else to destroy, right? That, that's what Paul's saying. But it also works personally. In our personal lives and relationships, this same thing works. And so, again, two weeks ago, we talked about we don't want to avoid, we don't want to avoid, we want to engage, so we're not going to run from everything that happens, and that's, that's, ten, what I, that's my, one of my many flaws as a leader. Is, right? I, I don't like conflict, and I want to avoid that at all costs, and I don't like the difficult conversations, and I, don't, I want to avoid the difficult people, but 
we can't do that, right? And so we don't want to avoid them, but we want to engage, as Paul says earlier, with pure, clear, and genuine hearts. But again, the overarching theme of the last, this week and last week is not get stuck in meaningless, useless fights and arguments, not getting stuck in these. So there are times then, and Paul shows us very clearly here, where limits sometimes must be set with difficult people or in difficult conversations. If there are certain people that always start stuff in your circle of influence or that are a consistent source of drama in your life or in your family or they always divide through deception, Paul says limits sometimes must be set. Sometimes distance must be made. And that can be difficult. Sometimes we don't want to do it. Sometimes we want to do it too quickly, <laughs> right? I'm just telling you where I'm at with that. But here, here's why that's important. Setting those limits is, first of all, it's good for you. So Paul says avoid foolish controversy. If I can limit those, that's good for me. It's good for other people around you. Because how many of you know, typically, if it's one difficult person and you, there's other people involved in that too, right? He says they're causing division, not just between person A and person B, but between all the people that are in the family around them or all of our friends or all the people in the church. So it's good for them to set those limits as well. And I believe Paul would say it's good for that person. He says, remember, they're warped. In the previous verse, he says that they're actually deceived by Satan himself in some of these cases. And so sometimes that space might be good for them. It might be sort of a, a reality check for them. He says they might come to their senses in 2 Timothy 2. So if that person is there, sometimes that limit has to be set. So what about those conversations? If a certain topic uh, always makes your blood boil, okay? If a certain topic gets you overly emotional, if a certain conversation continually brings out the worst in you, we sometimes have to set limits on those conversations as well. Okay, if, if this just comes up, I'm just going to have to kind of bow out on that one because I'm going to lose it. And that's not necessarily avoiding. We know we haven't avoided. Maybe this one now, after getting wiser, we should. So we want to do that. And here, here's again why that's good. It's good to know your limits. It's good to know what those buttons are that I need to be very careful if they get pushed. Or I've got to put a, like a protective cap over that button so someone just can't come do this all the time. I've got to set those limits and set that distance in some of those situations. Uh, it can salvage your credibility if we can learn this. It can salvage your reputation. It can salvage your witness as an extension of Jesus if I've learned, okay, I've got to be very careful when it comes to this type of conversation. That's a good thing. It's better for everyone involved. So as we set limits, we'll close in just a second. As we set limits, we want to do this in love, but be firm. And I mentioned this earlier, but we, we tend to go one extreme or the other. Either we hang on too long and cycle with this person way too long and it destroys everything. Or, and we usually do that because, oh, well, Jesus would never do that. Sure he would. Sure he would. I mean, he even, in, in Matthew 10, he sends out his disciples. He says, hey, I want you to go out and share the gospel with them. But if they reject you and they insult you and they won't let you in, he says, shake the dust off your feet and go to the next person. Okay? So, I w again, that shouldn't be our knee-jerk reaction. Well, they don't like me, so I'm just going to never talk to them again. Okay? That's what I, that's my, one of my <laughs> issues with my relationships, right? Um, so we want to be Christ-like, but we also don't want to cycle. We either tend to be one extreme or the other. We cut people off too soon or we cycle with them too long. 
And so I say this one for last because I want this to be our last resort with difficult people and difficult conversations. We should try to engage. We should speak the truth. And even Paul says, it's not just like one time you offend me and I cut you off. He says, you, you got to show some grace even in that. They're growing, hopefully. They're learning, hopefully. We're trying to work things out and figure things out. It's messy. And so we want to make sure before we resort to step number five, boom, you know, that we've, that we've done one through four. Because if I've come in and I'm not listening and I've got bad body language and I'm being aggressive and I'm not showing grace and I'm accusing them, I can't then say, well, I'm, you're out of here. Because most of that's then on me, isn't it? So what I, wanna, what I want us to do is try to work through this progression and then man, as a last, last, last resort, and sometimes it must be done. But we have to use that as the last option because decisions like that are not always easy. Sometimes you make the decision too quick and you're like, oh man, I've really messed things up now, haven't I? Yikes. Or you figure, you know, I cycled too long and now I'm so confused and I'm so frustrated and I just don't know what's going on anymore. So we want to make sure that before we skip to the last one, we use this biblical model of Paul and how we interact with difficult people and difficult conversations. Because they will happen, won't they? You will interact with people that you don't get, that you don't like and that don't like you, and that don't agree with you. And you're going to have conversations that are awkward and personal and can get heated. But as we apply these biblical principles to our everyday lives, I believe that God can make something beautiful out of even something this difficult. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are always with us. Even among difficult people, and even in the midst of difficult conversations. And we know that as we live, we can't avoid these two things. We're going to interact with people. We're going to talk to them. We're going to associate with them. It's just going to happen. Things will come up, and disagreements will happen, and differences are there. And so it's part of living. So help us to navigate these things, these people, these conversations. Help us to actively listen and ask questions so that we can pursue reality and truth. God, help us to stay on mission, that the goal is the gospel. The goal is reconciliation. The goal is the truth. Help us to keep the end in mind, even at the beginning of maybe a difficult conversation or interaction with a difficult person. Help us to have grace with others. Give us your grace when we need it. Help us to know that we're not trying to be perfect every time, all the time. We're not trying to just keep up appearances. We're just, we're just trying to live life your way. And since we're fallen, broken, sinful creatures, that's difficult. And so give us grace and help us to give others grace as well. God, that's, that's our prayer today, that even as we have difficult things to talk about with difficult people, that you are always with us in those times. We might feel alone, but we are never alone. You said you go with us to the end of the age, the end of the world. No matter where we go, what we do, who we talk to, you always go before us, and you're in us and with us, and so with you, all things are possible. Help us to constructively and in a Christ-like way interact, engage, and impact those around us. So I pray that we would apply these truths and these uh, 
principles to our lives, even this week as we go about our routine, because it's easy to talk about it in this setting, but help us to try to pursue and apply these biblical truths to our lives this week. And I know that you're going to help us to do that, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.